today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. As we've been talking about going back to school and a number of other things, uh, a lot of the uh, the discussions that are being had right now, a lot of the protocols that are being developed are all based on the fact that there is a possibility, some would suggest a probability, of a second wave of COVID-19 sometime in the next couple of months. Uh, joining us to talk about this is Ketra Schmidt, who is an associate professor in the Center for Engineering and Society at Concordia University. Uh, professor, thank you so much for the time. Thank- I'm glad you could join us today and add some clarity to this discussion. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I, I guess the first question is, is there an inevitability that there's going to be a second wave? Is, is, are we expecting this and it's just a matter of how bad it's going to be? So I don't think there had to be a second wave. But looking at the types of policies that are being put in place for back to school, um, and not just in Ontario or Quebec, but across Canada, um, yeah, I think we're going to have a, a second wave. I expect it. Well, yeah, because of the rationalization that we're hearing from some of the, uh, well, I was going to say educators, but really it's from the politicians that are setting the policy that are basically saying, I know what we've been telling you to do for the last six months, but we're not really going to do that in the schools. Uh, We're setting ourselves up for failure, aren't we? Absolutely. And uh, I I was reading, actually, in Scotland, I think they're having a lot of success with their back-to-school policy. Uh, Certainly in Korea, they've also been able to do a fairly good job at containing uh, the virus, it's hard. Even in Korea, they continue to have new cases, and uh, they've, done, they've done a really terrific job. Uh, but there is a way to have children back at school at least some of the time um, and to have online support and to do it safely. But unfortunately, that is not what's happening. So why are we missing the boat on this? I mean, this is, these are our kids we're talking about. And, yes, and, they, and they may too. well be the carriers of a second wave. Yes. Yeah, I have three kids back in school right now, and uh, yeah, it's really terrifying because actually Ontario offers uh, online support for distance learning. We don't have that in Quebec, at least not yet. It's a possibility, I think, uh, starting next week. I, I was watching. Now, I was watching the it. video on the, uh, the on Global News last night. A bunch of all kids, of course, went back to school this week, and and the looks on the parents as they were sending their kids off to school it was like, my God, what's going to happen? I mean, it was real concern and nervousness. Not not, not the usual trepidation about first day of school, but they're afraid of what they're going to be exposed to. Yeah. Yes, I'm terrified. As a parent, as a researcher, yes, I'm terrified. So um, Ontario has some of the same issues but at least there is some choice because there is distance learning um the mask mandate is a grade earlier but children can wear masks it is, it's possible my kids are wearing their masks all day long it's possible to do um so if we had a mask mandate and lower numbers of students per room we would be able to do this in a much safer fashion and kind of avoid some of the trade-off risks that we're afraid of for children not going back to school it was interesting. I was watching Premier Legault yesterday suggesting that, you know, if there's a spike, he, he has no reservation at all about shutting things down again. Uh, the obvious follow-up question to that is, are you doing everything you can to make sure that there isn't a spike? And the answer is no. Absolutely not. The other thing is the messaging, because if you're seeing that you can have, I'm seeing numbers on the news of 20 to 25 children. My kids are in classrooms with 32 children, plus an instructor. So, if you are allowed to be very close to people because you can't distance in the same size classroom with 32 children, if you're allowed to be inside all day without a mask, why shouldn't you do that on the weekend or after school? Why shouldn't you have big parties? I feel like the messaging is really flawed. 
Well, sure. You know, with the expectation we had here in Ontario, Professor, uh, before the government announced their plan, and by the way, they waited way too long, the end of July, to do this. I mean, they had five months before that. But anyway, I digress. Uh, we fully expected that, well, this is going to cost a lot of money because they're going to have to social distance. So classrooms of 30 kids are probably only going to have 12 to 15. Uh, they're going to need more space. They're going to have to hire more teachers because of that. They basically said, ah, forget about it. I, you know, all that stuff that we said was necessary, it's not going to be necessary for our kids. I mean, I, I can't understand the, the, the mindset here of going um, developing. And it's not just Ontario. This seems to be happening right across the board. Yeah, I just saw a comparison. It was an article for children, but it was a comparison about how how uh, back to school is going to work across the country, and it's it's not looking great anywhere. Like it's likely to be successful. Is it because of this uh, rumor that was going around a few months ago that kids are, are immune from this, and that this doesn't really have much of an impact on them? Are we basing it on that? I think that's part of it. Um, to me. There's two things that I really am thinking about right now. One is the precautionary principle. We don't know everything yet about COVID. We have mounting evidence. We know it's aerosolized. We know being in closed spaces, we're going to breathe it in. And instead, we're spending all this time on hygiene or even hygiene theater, right? So kids are constantly using hand sanitizer. They're constantly sanitizing desks. But they're still close to each other without a mask, breathing each other's air. That's how it spreads. We don't know everything. But we're sort of arguing, well, let's see if this is safe. And if it's not safe, we'll shut it down. We could instead say, let's be precautionary. Let's make sure that it's safe before we do it. And that's unfortunately not what's happening. Well, it's interesting uh, and worthy of note that uh, each and every one of the premiers that have instituted these policies have seen fit to not invite their own staff back to work to their offices because it's not safe, but they're sending kids into the classroom. Uh, under those circumstances and the, the, the double standard here I think is mind-boggling and it, I, I don't want to be the person you know to come back here in two weeks and say well I told you so and I don't you don't either uh, but you'd like to think our elected officials are going to listen to people like yourself that know about this and are doing the research on this and if you're unsure about it they should be unsure about it and I'd love to be wrong but you know the point too is that the teachers are adults and often have immunocompromised um, systems or are older, we have a huge shortage. And that's, I think, one of the reasons driving not reducing class size, but it ought to cause us to reexamine why we have a shortage in teachers. Well, uh, politicians are hearing, but they're not listening. And that's uh, that's unfortunate. Well, like I say, I hope we're both wrong. Professor, I, we got to cut it off. We're just about out of time. But thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us and giving us some perspective on this. I really appreciate it. Oh, Bill, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. We'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Professor Ketra Smith from uh, Concordia University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.